Welcome to the Community Hope Podcast. We exist to share hope with more people in more places. For more information on this podcast or our church, please visit communityhope.org. Now stay tuned for our Sermon of the Week. Today we are in week two of a series that's called Bystander. And we're walking through the different signs that John talked about um, through the Gospel of John. Now, one of the things that I know to be true about me and probably about you is that at some point in your life, you've experienced interacting with a believe in spite of person. Let me explain to you what I mean by a believe in spite of person. I, I had the privilege of working with a, a couple in, in Elk Run Heights. Does anybody know where Elk Run Heights is? Three of you. Awesome. It's a suburb of Waterloo. Anybody know where Waterloo is? Yeah, it's a little bit bigger. Um, the, I had a privilege, my wife and I had a privilege of being youth pastors there at, at that church. And our pastor, uh, they and his family, they experienced a tragedy. Um, their oldest son, uh, who was married, he was actually going through the process of uh, uh, becoming a medical doctor. He was actually interning. He was an amazing man. And uh, him and his, his wife were on their way home to visit my, my, our pastor for Thanksgiving. And they were tragically, both of them killed in a car crash. And I watched firsthand my pastor and his wife walk through some undescribable pain. And what I saw was this aspect that I'm talking about today. This believe in spite of. See, because what, it, what, it, what do we believe about God? That he's a loving, heavenly father, right? But th- there's a lot of times we experience things in life that makes us wonder, where's my loving, heavenly father in this? But I, I watched them go through this pain and this tragedy. They were very honest about the pain. They didn't hide the pain. They didn't pretend like the pain wasn't there. But their faith was still rock solid. And I was fascinated by that. Fascinated to watch them walk through such pain, but yet their faith in Jesus was unwavering. Maybe you've experienced believe in spite of people. Because we all experience pain. We all experience heartache. We all experience tragedy. And I think, if we're honest, all of us, when we go through that, those moments we begin to wonder, and we may begin to question, where is this loving, all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing God? Why is he not stepping into this? Why did he not stop this? Why did he allow this? But it continues, it happened anyways. I'm going to tell you about someone else who experienced a believe-in-spite-of person. His name was Dr. Francis Collins. Dr. Francis Collins is a genius among geniuses, in fact, he was asked uh, many years ago to head up what was called the Human Genome Project. Okay, and so basically he, ma- he was, him and his team mapped out the entire DNA structure of the human body. And the, the, the breakthroughs were amazing. He's a fascinating, brilliant, brilliant man. But when he was a young man, he was an atheist. And at 27, he was going through the process of becoming a medical doctor and... Um, he was, he was down in North Carolina, and so he experienced a lot of people who had faith. And he experienced this believe in spite of type of people. In fact, I have a, a quote from him I want to read to you. Uh, this doesn't, my clicker doesn't seem to be working, guys, if you want to go to that, that slide with, with the quote from Dr. Francis Collins. 
This is what he said. If faith was a psychological crutch, you ever heard faith described as that? It's just a, it's a crutch. It's something that we imagine we make up in our minds to make us feel better. He said if faith was a psychological crutch, it must be a very powerful one. If it was, not, if it was nothing more than a veneer of cultural tradition, meaning, well, I'm in the South and so everyone's a Christian or people are just raised that way. Let's go, go to the next slide. Why were these people not shaking their fist at God and demanding their friends and family stop all this talk about a loving and benevolent supernatural power? Here he is, an atheist, and he's encountering, experiencing these believe in spite of people, and their faith is very unnerving to him. Because he says you believe in this all-powerful, loving God, but then you're experiencing things that don't seem to line up with that, but that you continue to believe. And it sent him on a journey. One day he was interacting with one of his patients who had terminal cancer, but she had a a rock-solid faith in Jesus Christ, and she was very open with him about her faith. And one day she looked at Dr. Collins and said, Well, doctor, what do you believe? And it was so unnerving to Dr. Collins. He literally just stammered, I'm not really sure, and walked out of the room. And Dr. Collins said it sent him upon a journey. It sent him on a journey to recognize what he called his willful blindness and his arrogance. Because he said, I thought I knew it all, but I didn't want to look at the evidence for Christianity. I didn't want to look at the evidence for God, it was my own willful blindness. But when I began to, even as an intellectual, dig down into the evidence for Christianity, I found more than enough evidence there. And Dr. Collins actually became a Christian. Why? Because he encountered believe in spite of people. Maybe you've experienced, encountered a believe in spite of person. Now, this is quite a tension that we're talking about today because as we introduced a couple weeks ago, John, whose account that we're studying, would never encourage you or anyone else to just take all of this by faith, to just believe just because of faith. Because, see, John and and those disciples, they didn't follow Jesus because of faith. No, they followed Jesus because of what they saw And what they heard. They didn't say well I I put my faith in Jesus. And I just hoped that it would all work out. No they saw things. And they heard things. And they experienced things. Which caused them to what? Have faith. It was because of the evidence. That they experienced. That they believed. And so today we are going to look at another account. Another sign from John. Talking about this very very subject today if you are a christian if you are a person of faith i always challenge to ask you why is it because well that was the way i was raised or is it because of something deeper i believe that our faith as as christians is based upon something rock solid it's not based upon hope it's not based upon a feeling it's based upon an event something that actually happened and today we're going to continue to look on through these different signs 
today. So we're going to be turning back to the book of John. So if you have your Bibles, once you open to the book of John, go ahead and go to that next slide if you would. Today, we're going to be looking at what John, John said. So I want to give you a setup. See, John tells us in 1 John what they experienced. Look at this, 1 John 1, verse 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with, and which our hands have touched. See, it wasn't a ghost that they experienced. No. That, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with, with our eyes, which we have looked at, and that our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Go ahead and go to that next slide. What are they proclaiming? They're proclaiming this. Go ahead and go to that next slide if you would. It's not going. It's going back there. So if everybody could just turn around and look at the back screen. All right, we'll continue on with or without that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 tells us this wasn't just a hope. It wasn't just a feeling. So that's what a lot of conspiracy theories would tell, tell you, is that the, the disciples, really, they just wanted this to be true. They just wanted it to be true. I think we're back online now. I think we're working. All right. All right, so go back to 1 John chapter 1, if you will. What's that? Try my clicker? See, yeah, we're, we're going to have to rely... On you guys. Hey, we, there we go. We're back online. Woo! The, uh, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you what we have. What's that word? And what's that word? What we have seen and heard. This is really important. What is John saying? I was an eyewitness. I was an eyewitness. This was no mirage. This was no hallucination. I was there. I saw it. So now here at the end of John, this is why he tells us why he writes John. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. When he says the book, he's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about his gospel. But these are written that you may, what's this word? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He's not just content to tell us what to believe. Then he tells us why here in the last part of this verse. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. I'm just going to let you know right up front, I have an agenda. My agenda is the same as John's. That I believe that through faith, you can experience life. That through following Jesus, it will make your life better and it will make you better at life. That Jesus has a fuller, richer version of life for you to step into. Notice I didn't say easier. I said a fuller, richer version of life for you to step into. And yes, it is by faith, but it's not because of faith. And I want you to understand the difference of that. Okay? They chose, these early followers, they chose to put their faith in Jesus. Why? Because he told them, hey, just believe? No, because of what they saw what they heard, what they touched, what they experienced with their five senses, it caused them to put their faith 
in Jesus. So John records for us seven different signs. Last, two weeks ago, we looked at sign number one, which was a joyous occasion. Okay, it was a wedding. He steps into this wedding, this joyous occasion. Today, we're going to look at him stepping into a painful situation. And as I said at the beginning, I love the fact that that's what Jesus came to reveal to us, that the God of the universe, he'll step into both the happy and the sad. Jesus steps into the happy and the sad. This is the second sign we're going to be looking at, and this is in John chapter 4, starting in verse 46. Once more he visited Canaan and Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick. Now, there's several details here that I need us to, to drill down to. Is this first part here, royal official. Royal official means that he was part of this sect of Judaism known as a Sadducee. If you've been around church, how many of you have ever heard of the Pharisees? Pharisees, they're the ones that normally get the bad rap, right? The Sadducees, we don't hear about them as often, but they were a sect as well. And I want you to understand their theology, their worldview when it came to what it meant to be a Sadducee. A Sadducee at that time would be comparable to what we would call today a deist. A deist is someone who believes that God created the universe, that he created the world, he created us, he created everything, but he was like this great clockmaker, and he, he made this great clock, he wound it up, and then he stepped back, and he no longer interacts with his creation. That's what a deist believes today. The Sadducees believe something very, very similar to that as well. They believe that everything was predetermined, who you married, how many, kids you, how many kids you have, how long you lived. They, they didn't believe in a resurrection from the dead. They didn't believe in, in, in God healing people. They just simply didn't believe any of that. They believed it was all predetermined. That's an interesting way of looking at the world, isn't it? Some people look at the world even today that way. It's all predetermined. What's the point? It's all mapped out to begin with. But here what we notice today, this, this royal official is now a desperate father. And everything changes. Now, what does he do? Let's, go, let's continue on with our scripture, our scripture passage here of to see what he does when he comes to Jesus. In John chapter 46, we're going to be reading through this. So if you would continue to go through those slides, we're going to find out what happened. He has a royal, he's a royal official whose son lay sick. He comes to Jesus, and he's coming from Capernaum down to Canaan. Now, here's another important detail that you need to know. From Capernaum to to Canaan was about an eight or a nine-hour walk. But because this man was a man of wealth, a man of influence, he probably didn't walk. He probably rode a horse. He probably had a chariot. So it probably took him probably three or four hours to get from Capernaum down to Canaan. Now, I have a theory about this. You're not going to find this in the scripture verse, but I have a theory because I feel like the way humans have interacted has not changed for thousands of years. So this is my theory, that this man's son was dying, and his wife said, you're going to go get that Jesus that I've heard about. That's my theory, because we need answers. We've done everything that we know how to do. And so now this man is faced with a choice, with a decision. Do I leave my dying son to go find someone that's all based on what? Rumors. He's never met Jesus. He's going to seek out something he's only heard rumors about. He's only heard stories about. That's what he's seeking out. And so now he gets on his horse and he makes the trip down to, down to Canaan to find 
Jesus. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him. He didn't send servants. He went. And he begged him. He begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Notice, see, that the, the verb here, begged, it means it's like it's a repeated, like he was maybe down on his hands and knees. Please, it's like he's repeatedly pleading with Jesus, please come, please come. And the way Jesus responds in the English translation sounds really harsh, but it's actually not. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will not believe. Notice he's not just saying it to this man. He's actually saying it to this wider audience. And it's, he's just saying the facts. Unless you see it for yourself, you're not going to believe. So I tell you what. I want to give you something to talk about. I'm going to show you. I'm not just going to ask you to believe me. I'm, I'm going to show you. So here in the next verse, you see this man, how desperate he is. The official pleaded, Lord, come now before my little boy dies. As I said, what has he done? He's thrown out the worldview. He's thrown out the philosophy. He's thrown out what he's been taught his whole life, that God doesn't heal. He throws it out. Why? Because he's a desperate father. And when you get desperate, you'll do things that you wouldn't otherwise not do. Okay, here he is, a royal official, with all of his pomp and circumstance. And What does he do? He's down on his hands and knees, begging, please, my little boy. My little boy's dying. And if you're a parent, you can understand that pain. If you've ever had a sick child, you understand that pain. You're desperate. I'll do anything to get help for my child. Anything. Because nothing holds your heart like your kids do. All the parents in the room say, nothing holds your heart like your kids do. Nothing. In fact, I want to I show you a picture. You guys see this picture right here? Thank you. Oh, yes. This is our little Judah, and he got, he got all dressed up one day, and I don't know how in the world mom got him to take that picture. But I could, okay, there's a button on here. Wow, I'm so good with technology. There we are. He's back again. This little guy's got my heart. This little guy was sick. I'm going to do anything. I'm going to do everything. Why, no, I'm a big, strong man, but he can melt me into a puddle just like this. This happened last night. My son loves to eat bacon. Trained him to be a man. Loves bacon. Well, maybe it's not a man or a woman thing because my daughter loves bacon too. I'm sorry. That's just, that goes across the sexes. Bacon is awesome. Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Anyway, he was eating his bacon and he about got done finished with it. And then he's like, can I sit on your lap? So he comes over and he hugs me. I'm not making this up. He looked me in the eye. He goes, hugs make me happy. He said, I love you, Daddy. He could have asked for the keys to the car at that moment. I would have given it to him. He, could have, he had the world on a string at that moment. Why? Because he's got my heart. My kids, my kids have my heart. And when your kids are hurting, when your kids are sick, you'll do anything. And this is a desperate father. Desperate father. And here's what's fascinating about this story. What happens next? Jesus asked him to do something that he's asked generations to do ever since and it's simply this he's asking him to trust him and notice this next part he asked him to trust him based upon the testimony of others this is his first man's first time to meet jesus 
All he's heard was stories. He wasn't there when Jesus walked on the water. He wasn't there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. He wasn't there to see the healings. He's only heard stories. He, and Jesus asked him to trust him. What? Based upon the testimony of others. And here we are 2,000 years later. And Jesus asked you, will you trust me based upon what? The testimony of others. Jesus says one word. He says, go. Go. And the Greek here is fascinating. It's like, it's like he says, go about your business. Don't hurry. Don't worry. Go about your business. And then he says four words. Your son will live. That's it. That's all Jesus says. Go. Your son will live. And I'm sure this man was scratching his head. Like, wait, wait hold up. I had two options. It was come back with you and maybe my son would live. Or if I didn't come back with you, my son was going to die. And now you're trying to tell me there's a third option? That I'm going to go home without you? If I go home without you, there may be two deaths in my family today. I was sent on a mission. Come home with you. And you're telling me just to go about my business? Just go do some shopping? Go pick up some flowers for the missus? Wait till the heat of the day or something? And then just saunter on back home like it's no big deal? Are you kidding me? Go. Don't hurry. Don't worry. Go on about your business. Your son will live. Jesus says, trust me. What? Based upon five words. Go, your son will live. And this is what's fascinating to me about this story. This account from 2,000 years ago, this is our lifetime reduced down to a day. This is our lifetime reduced down to a day. Why? Because Jesus asked you, will you trust me based upon what? The testimony of others. We're asked to take Jesus at his word based upon the word of other people a lifetime reduced down to a day and i don't know where you're at right now in your life i don't know what's going on with your life but you may be experiencing situations and circumstances pain and heartache and and you're wondering am i going to get through this am i really going to be okay What does Jesus say to this man? Go. Your son will live. This man has nothing but Jesus' word to go on. Nothing. But he chooses to believe that this was enough. Because he's standing there with his entourage, his bodyguards. I'm wondering if he just thought, maybe I just take him by force. You know, maybe we just throw Jesus over our shoulder, kidnap him. I don't know what he thinks. He takes a deep breath. And he's faced with a choice. Next verse says this. The man believed. He believed the word that Jesus spoke for him. He believed what Jesus said. And the next part, he behaved as if it was true. And he departed for home. Again, this is our lifetime reduced down to a day. 
Jesus has asked us, would you behave as if what Jesus said was actually true? Would you live as if your sins are actually forgiven? Would you live and behave as when Jesus says, I will provide all your needs, that you would live and behave as if that was actually true? Because we're faced with trials. We're faced with situations. We're faced with circumstances that happen in our life, and we begin to wonder, and we begin to question, and we begin to ask God, where are you in this? Imagine what it felt like for that man, because guess what he had to do? He turned away from the only person who he thought had the answer. He didn't get what he came for. He didn't get who he came for. And he begins to take that journey home. And he literally, have you heard this phrase? He's walking by faith, not by sight. What does he have to go on? Five words from Jesus. Go. Your son will live. And so he begins to take journey back home. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Now, obviously, they weren't coming, showing up and saying, hey, guess what? By the way, he's still alive. That wasn't why they were showing up to tell him. They were showing up to tell him that he was healed, that a miracle had taken place. The next verse says this, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And a chill goes down his spine. Why? Because then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And I just wonder, how many times do we experience that very thing? He's going home on a journey and the answer's already there, and he doesn't know it. The answer's already there, waiting on him, and he doesn't know it. I, I love stories like this. This happened to, for our church a few weeks ago. I don't think I ever shared this story with you, but it was awesome. Last, uh, last uh, November and December, we went through a series called Extravagant Generosity. And I challenged this church to continue to engage in extravagant generosity. And I said, there, as the leadership team, we decided that there were some missionaries that we were going to be extravagantly generous with. And so one of the missionaries that we've supported from day one of our church are, are Kevin and Cindy Elder. They're missionaries to Columbia. And Kevin and Cindy Elder were trying to get back on the field, and they had four weeks to raise $40,000. And Cindy told me that she, they were driving here to our church. We invited them to come to our church. They were driving to our church, and she said, I was praying, and I was talking to God. And I said, God, this is impossible. How in the world are we going to raise $40,000 in four weeks? That's nuts. And she said, just as clear as the bell, God said to me, well, that's only $10,000 a week. She said, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe you for $10,000 this week. Do you know what? Cindy had no idea that weeks earlier... We had met as a leadership team, and we said, what, what does God want us to do? And we said, we're going to give them $10,000. The check was already written, waiting on them, sitting on my desk, when Cindy said, God, I believe you, I trust you for $10,000. The answer was already there, waiting. She didn't even know it. She just said, okay, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you with this. What is it in your life that you're trusting God for? 
What is it in your life that you're believing God for? There's some things in my life that I'm believing God for, and I don't see any evidence for it right now. So I can get really discouraged. I can get frustrated and go, God, where are you at? Things that are deeply, closely to my heart. Then every morning I wake up and go, God, I need you to take care of this because I can't change it. It's beyond me. And I look out at my world and I don't see any evidence that anything's changing. So I'm faced with a choice just like this man. Will I continue to walk by faith and not by sight? See, notice the difference. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is not disbelief. The opposite of faith is what? Sight. It's what we see, what we experience. Wait a minute. It sure doesn't feel like God's with me right now. I read that it says that he is, but it doesn't feel like he is. Then why is this all this happening? This has happened to me, I can't tell you how many times. We'll be tested. But I love this. When he interacted with the servants, he said, that's the exact moment. So he and his whole household believed, duh. Why? Because what they saw, what they experienced. Because this man arrives home and his wife is standing at the door. There's a miracle. He's been healed. And the man's not surprised at all. Because Jesus said it was going to happen. He said it was going to happen. And he literally was walking by What I want you to see is that walking by faith is not hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's not just, well, bless God, everything's going to be okay. It's not just this optimism. Have you ever been around a person that's maybe just a little too optimistic? Don't they just make you sick? Okay, none of us is as cynical as I am. Sometimes life just hurts. And we need to acknowledge that pain. Walking by faith is not, well, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. You know, we used to, when I was a kid, we used to sing that song in church. That literally was a whole song. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. That was the whole song. Well, why? I don't know. I just got a feeling. Could be gas. I don't know what it is. Feelings are pretty subjective, aren't they? I don't always feel like believing. So you know what I do when I, when I don't feel like believing? When my heart doesn't feel it, then I go back up to here in my brain. What does my brain say? Brad, is, in your 44 years, has God ever left you stranded? Has he, ever, has he ever abandoned you? Nope. Not one time. Has God always come through for you? Yes, he has. There's times I have to give myself a pep talk. You ever have to give yourself a pep talk? I think it's important. Walking by faith is not hope, it's not wishful thinking. It's based upon what? Evidence. It's based upon the testimony of other people. I know I've, I've, shared, this, I know I've shared this a lot, but I'll continue to share it. You know what changed my life as a young man? Looking at my 90-year-old grandparents saying, Brad, whatever you do, don't stop following Jesus because it's worth it. I've lived my whole life, and he's never let me down. Did they have an easy, pain-free, careless life? No. But I remember my grandfather, he had this broken finger. So he had this crooked finger. He talked to me. He said, Brad, God's always been faithful. And see, as an 18-year-old, I was just smart enough to say, well, if my 90-year-old grandfather says God's never let him down, I'm going to count on his testimony. I think he knows what he's talking about. 
So that's why I'm so grateful for a church that's a multi-generational church. I don't want a young church and I don't want an old church because I don't think that reflects the heart of God. Can I get an amen? God's not designed it to be that way. He's designed it to be family, intergenerational. And young people, we need to look at older people and, and learn from them and say, and we can tell our stories. Walking by faith is not hope, it's not wishful thinking. It's based upon what? Evidence. So look at what Jesus is having a conversation with John. John records this at the end of his book. Blessed, because, because you have seen me, you have believed. We're going to pause there for just a second, because here's what's fascinating to me. A lot of people will say this. Atheists will say this. I've interacted with atheists. Well, you know what? If God would just give me some proof, and I always want to ask them, what proof was that, was that going to look like? What's, what's it going to take for God to prove himself to you? And it literally, well, God, write it in the sky. You know, God to do something that's just so undeniable that he's real. That's what I'm looking for. You know what? That still wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't. Because faith is always a choice. There were hundreds, thousands, countless people who were there. The Pharisees knew that Lazarus was dead and that he came back to life, but they still didn't believe in Jesus. You know how the Pharisees reacted? They wanted to kill Lazarus. Seeing was not believing for everyone. There were people who saw the miracles that Jesus did and then tried to credit it to something else. Oh, he's just possessed the devil. They had all these explanations. Why? Because they didn't want to believe. Faith is always a choice, regardless of what you see or don't see. Faith is always a choice. He's saying, you believe because you've seen, but even that wasn't enough for some people. But then look what he says next. Now he's talking to you and to me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I wasn't there to see Jesus walk on water. I wasn't there to see these things take place. I follow, why? Based upon the testimony of others. John goes on. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John is saying, look, I was there. I was just a bystander. I saw it with my own eyes. I heard it with my own ears. I touched. I was there. I'm just a bystander. But I have experienced life in his name, and that's why Christianity continues to go on over 2,000 years later. Why? Because people keep telling. People keep telling. I've experienced that life in his name. Why? Based upon the testimony of others. And I'm guessing some of you in this room, you've experienced that life based upon the testimony of others. Why? Because you encountered and you interacted with and you experienced, believe in spite of people. Because if everything was always great and wonderful and no problems, 
Well, that's easy to believe. That's like the disciples. When I'm like, well, well, why wouldn't you believe? You watched Jesus walk on water. Why, why wouldn't you believe? Jesus is saying, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet still believe. And that by believing, go ahead and go to that next slide, that by believing you may have life in his name. Not only did I experience this with my pastor, I've experienced this with people close to me in my life. Walk through pain and heartache and tragedy, but still choose faith. Because we have to be honest about it. It's real. The pain is real. But the life that Jesus offers you is just as real. That by believing, you may have life in his name. So my challenge to you today is how are you sharing the life that you've been given with others? How are you sharing the encouragement that you've been given to others? Because if you're going through a trial right now, let me ask you a few questions. Do you have any idea who's watching you when you go through pain and you go through trial? No, you don't. Do you have any idea the impact God is having on other people's lives? Why? Because you continue to give. You continue to sacrifice. You continue to walk. You continue to behave as if what Jesus said was actually true. And I know we all stumble, we all fall, we ne- none of us ever get this right. But I have been impacted by the lives of other people who I watched walk by faith and not by sight. Who went through pain, who went through tragedy, and continue to say, I believe that God is faithful. People who are now in heaven and their legacy goes on. In me, Do you have any idea the impact that you can have on someone else's life? No, you don't. So my challenge to you today is that we would do exactly what John challenges us to do. What if we shared? He goes, this is just what I've seen and what I've heard. What if we shared what we've seen, what we've heard? What if we shared what? We experience. Yeah, I've been through some pain. But God's never left me. He's never left me. There's some of you in this room today. This is hitting hard. This is hitting you right between the eyes. Because the pain is real. And you're just waiting for some ray, some glimmer of hope. Because it feels like this has cost way too much. And this has hurt for way too long. Why isn't this going away? Why isn't the, aren't things getting better? I keep praying. I keep asking. I keep talking to God. Why does it feel like he's not listening? Where is he? See, I, w- I was raised in a family that kind of, kind of believed this idea that, that you, you protect kids from everything you can protect them from. And in so many ways, I'm grateful for that because my parents protected me from a lot. But one of the things I didn't always see very often was I didn't see the struggle. I didn't see the pain because that was kept hidden. And so because I didn't see the struggle, because I didn't see the pain, then I didn't understand faithfulness all the time. 
Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you go to your kids and you tell them everything that's going on in your life. I realize that there's things that are appropriate and not appropriate to, sh- to share, but my, my kids have seen us struggle. But they've seen us continue. Whew, yeah, this one hurts. But I'm, in some ways, I'm just like, John, when I look at Jesus, where else can I go? Where else can I go? Only you have the words of life. Where else can I go? And so that's why I've chose to get up on a stage or to turn on a phone and in every moment saying, this is what God's done in my life. I'd love to tell you about it. Your opportunities are going to look different than mine. And so one of the things that we're, we're leading up to with this series is the seventh sign that we're going to talk about on Easter is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we want to set you up as a church to bring somebody with you so that they can hear. This place was packed last week. You know why? Because you invited people to come. 80% of people come to church. Why? Because they've been invited. That's it. So you'll notice there on your seats, you have, you have an Easter card. I'm going to challenge you to bring somebody with you to church on Easter. Begin thinking, who could I bring with me to church on Easter? There's no easier time to bring people to church than on Easter. No easier time. And so what we're leading up to is that each week we want to try to put some type of really practical tool in your hand to invite people to come to church with you. Because the bullseye on the target for us at Easter is to create as many relational connections as possible. So that welcome home is not just words on a shirt or words on on a door that we really, truly help people experience that. So here's another thing that we're, we're, I'm going to challenge you to do. We're going to, when service is over, we have these cards right out in the lobby. I'm going to challenge you to do something that people just don't do anymore. And that's actually send someone a piece of mail. So I'm going to challenge you to, to just write, send a handwritten note to somebody just simply inviting them to come to church with you on Easter. So we have these cards out there. Would you take five minutes to fill out one of these and just say, hey, I just want to invite you to come to church with me on Easter. Do you have any idea what the impact this could have? No, you don't. They could throw it in the trash. I don't know. Or maybe you could catch their attention. But I believe that this world desperately needs to hear that by believing, they can experience life in his name like I've experienced, like maybe you've experienced. And so we want to do whatever we can to set you up to share that with others. Because so, so many times that can be challenging, isn't it? It's not something we go, go very deep with very often. But it's something that I believe that God can do inside of every single one of us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up if they would. And I want you to begin to ask, who could I bring with me? Who could I invite? Just so we have a packed house here on Easter? No. No, because the greatest win for me as a human being is to see people take a step deeper into the life that I believe God offers them. Nothing gives me greater joy than to see people take a step deeper into faith in Jesus Christ. Because I am a firm believer that following Jesus will make your life better 
and will make you better at life. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to, I'll have an opportunity to pray with you. God, I thank you that you've never asked us to just have faith in fairy tales. You've asked us to take you at your word, but based upon the words of other people. Not a lot of times that means going about our days through with unanswered prayers. And God, there's some, I know there's people in this room that are experiencing some unanswered prayers right now. But I thank you that the church continues to go on because you continue to do it again and again and again. You rescue people out of a pit, out of a pit of despair out of a pit of sin, out of a pit of guilt and shame. You never stop doing it. And all you're asking us to do is to trust you. To trust you. Would you stand with me? Wow, we're going to sing this song again that we ended worship with. Is I believe that that you'll do it again. And the first opportunity I want to give to, to you to respond is that maybe you're new here today. Maybe, I don't know what your experience with God or church or Christianity, I don't know what any of that is, but maybe you heard something today in a way that you've never heard it before. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke something to you today. Maybe your faith has been non-existent or has been weak. I don't know where you're at, but my hope and my prayer is that right now in this moment that you would take a step of faith as we did earlier today. That you would say, God, I trust you with this, whatever it is. Maybe it's just that first step. The first step that, that Paul talks about is that step of faith. Is Jesus has not called us to be fans. He actually wants us to follow him. And so... Maybe you've never made that choice, that decision for the first time. Maybe you've never said, okay, God, I'll follow your way of living my life. Maybe you've never done that. I want to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you did a long time ago and you fell away and things, everything seemed to collapse and fall apart in your life. But for whatever reason, you're, you're back today and you're curious and you're questioning, you're wondering. You've you got a lot of unanswered questions. But today, Jesus is asking of you, would you do what he asked that nobleman to do? Will you trust me? Based upon what? The testimony of others. So would you close your eyes? We're going to talk to God for just a minute. I just believe that there's someone in this room, maybe multiple someones, when I talked about that pit of despair, that pit of guilt and shame and blame, it's, it's right where you're at. You can even think about what you did last night, last week, last month, and you're just so filled with guilt and shame and blame. I want you to know that when you come to Jesus, he's, He comes to take all that away. Because He hung on the cross to forgive everything that you've ever done. He took the punishment that we deserve for our sin. 
And he's asking you right now in this moment, would you accept that gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness by faith? If that's you, you need to accept God's gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness right now. Would you just put your open hands out in front of you? And would you just say that to God? God, I accept your gift of grace. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I trust you with my life. Maybe you've done, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe it's the hundredth time. But that expression of faith is powerful. Again, as we talked about at the beginning of the service, maybe you're going through some pain, some heartache, some tragedy where you're trying, you want to trust God, but man, it's hard. Maybe right now you just need to ask God for strength. That's you. Put your hands out in front of you as well. God, I I just need your strength right now to be faithful. I need your strength to continue to walk in the dark because I don't see the answers. I don't see what's going to happen, but I just choose right now in this moment to to trust you. God, I thank you for what you're doing and how you're working right now in this moment. We're going to sing this song together. Would you just literally make it your prayer? I believe that you're going to do it. If you were impacted by this sermon or if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Community Hope on Facebook and Instagram or at our website, communityhope.org. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you next week.